Episode 8 of Affordable Italy, Living with Dolce Vita on a Bootstring, takes us to the beach, as well as to the mountains of beautiful Abruzzo, where today's guest enjoys the best of both worlds and Italy's unparalleled 7% flat tax opportunity. Ciao! If expatriation and immigration are on your mind, you've looked at Italy and wondered, is it possible? I did. In 2019, I was certain we could do it. In 2020, the world changed. And, due to our reaction to it, our situation changed as well. I was no longer certain that Italy was within our reach. Plus, rumors about taxes and visas had me both confused and worried. Thanks to my favorite podcast, Retire There with Gil and Jean, and a bevy of generous immigrants who've gone before, as well as a personality that tends to doggedly seek to turn lemons to limoncello, my dream was rekindled. I decided to get my questions answered directly from first-person sources already experiencing affordable Italy, living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring. Join me as we explore with expats and experts if a future in Italy could be on your horizon. Our Facebook group has attracted some of the friendliest and most clever minds I've experienced among immigrant groups. Yes, some of them I beg to join at the beginning of this journey, and they know who they are. My triad of truth. But others have miraculously shown up from whence I really don't know. Some are immigrants or Schengen shufflers, sharing wisdom they've learned by experience. Others are somewhere along their journey, growing and learning along with me. And all of us are learning from experts who've podcasted with me, like Nicola Bola on our recent tax episode. And it can go like this, as a member recently posted a question. Hi all, I'm looking for some examples of historic 7% flat tax towns in Abruzzo, near the mountains. I'm just at the beginning of my journey and having a hard time digging up good information online. I'll get over there to scout in October, but wanted to start gathering research before I go. So, first of all, I would share that I answered with my previous and archaic way of searching for my perfect 7% flat tax town, which included hours of mapping train lines, finding each and every train station in the area, pinning these to a paper map, then pinning each and every flat tax town to the map after combing iStat in English or the seismic town list for qualifying towns depending upon the region I was looking in. I would correlate bus or train distance to water, our priority, and to the largest regional airport, as well as to Rome. Next would come pins for hospitals, and by that time the first pins were all falling out. Oh yes, I know someone can manage this sort of behavior on Google Maps, but old dog, old tricks, etc. I did use Google Maps to drop in for walkabouts in each of the towns that then looked promising, but inevitably got lost in local hidden bars and amazing menus, so really only developed a great list of restaurants and bars that I wanted to visit. Not exactly useful for my ultimate 7% flat tax home search. So, as I was typing my ridiculous method to answer her, a couple of women from our group popped up, suggesting that today's guest might have just the town our friend was seeking, and that she could likely throw in a little Adriatic Sea frontage to boot. Hence, many thanks today to Linda Santis and Jennifer for Nelson for recommending Sylvie Marina and our guest who lives there, Monica Dalton. Monica moved to Abruzzo from St. Petersburg, Florida. She was born and raised in New Jersey and relocated to Florida in 1986. She originally graduated with a BA in elementary education, but unfortunately, the year she graduated, there was a glut of elementary teachers, so finding a permanent position was unsuccessful. During that period, she found work in places not related to teaching. At one point, she decided to return to school to pursue a different career. She entered the field of respiratory therapy, which at that point in time was just becoming a recognized professional. She graduated with an Associate of Science degree in Allied Health. After passing her professional certification exam, she worked for many years in hospitals throughout New Jersey as a respiratory therapist. She says she thoroughly enjoyed the work and only stopped when she became pregnant. After moving to Florida, she returned working part-time as an RT. After retirement, she went back to work, but this time as a senior move manager. She did that until she decided to move to Italy. It was quite easy for her to move to Italy, even during COVID, because she had already achieved her dual U.S. Italian citizenship. 
She traveled extensively throughout Italy and always felt like it was where she belonged. The uncertainty of life during 2020 and COVID was her motivation to finally make that move. In January 2021, she arrived in her new home. Abruzzo, the 7% flat tax incentive offered by the Italian government was truly the main reason she chose the location of her new home. She's currently renting while she looks to buy. Welcome, Monica, and thank you for your willingness today to share the secret gem that is Sylvie Marina. Good evening, everyone. Uh, buonasera, as we say in Italy. Buonasera. And here it's buongiorno. Okay. So I have to ask you, Monica, how did you find your perfect 7% flat tax town? What was your process? Okay, I had taken a, uh, a free boot camp course online, and one of the, the things they recommended that you do is make a list of things that are important to you when you want to move. So I had made up my little list and uh, like my checklist, and you know, some of the things that were important to me was a town that had walkability because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to drive or want to drive. I wanted to be near services like shops, banks, hairdressers grocery stores. I also needed train service in case I wanted to go to other areas, you know, being not having a car and be near a moderately large mid-sized airport which we have here in Pescara. Mm -hmm. So when I went through the lists of towns that qualified, I like the mountains, but I prefer being at the beach because I come from Florida and I always lived by the water. So to me, that was very important. So when I went through the list of towns that applied for the 7% or a qualified. Sylvie Marina was one of them. The other one was Pinetto. Then I started looking for places that were available to rent. So I went on the major rental sites on uh, Immobiliare and Idealista. And I also looked on Facebook Marketplace. Hmm. I happened to find this apartment that I'm currently in. It was being offered by an individual, not by a rental agency. So we started a conversation online and then uh, we had some video chats. Uh, we came to agreement on terms and everything. And uh, he, he emailed me the lease. Of course, it was all in Italian. So I had a friend help me decipher it. And I read it, agreed to everything, sent it back. And the rest is history, as oh, they say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you were a senior move manager, you yeah. mentioned. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that so they understand how you became comfortable with even going through the steps of an over-the-internet lease situation like that? You must have had a lot of background knowledge. Okay. Yeah. After I've decided, after I retired to go back to work, a friend of mine was just starting up a company for move management, senior move management, which means that you work with seniors that want to downsize out of their homes or whatever, and may go into smaller properties. So our job was to meet with the clients, go through their belongings, get a floor plan of their new place and make everything work in that. So that gave me a lot of experience on knowing what I wanted to take, how I was going to make it work, how to pack stuff in mm -hmm. order to get it over here to Italy. So that made my life a little bit easier. I had to hire an international shipper, of course, because I had to have somebody physically bring the things over here. But uh, I actually did a lot of packing and supervised a lot of the packing that their company did. You'd been in Italy a lot. You were not naive to perhaps even the real estate differences between the U.S. and Italy. When you started that rental process, did you engage with anybody like a moving specialist, an immobilier, anything like that to help you through that? Or did you do that totally independently? I had a friend who lives in Abruzzo. She runs a, a, like a B&B or a little agriturismo. And so I asked her for some help. 
and she referred me to a realtor that they used, or they used a friend in her town. And I had him review the lease with me. So he pointed out that it was just the basic standard lease and wasn't any surprises. So it'd be okay for me to sign it because, you know, it's a legal document and it's given to me in a foreign language. So you know, I wanted to make sure that I was understanding where I was putting my name to. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. And I imagine you had to transfer some money for deposits. So good to know it's a real human being on the other end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that you were shopping specifically then within those flat tax towns. If you don't mind my asking, how many tax returns have you been able to file and benefit from that 7%? Okay. This I just filed this June and that was my second one because the year, the first year you move here, which was for me, 2021, I didn't have to file that year. So I didn't file till 2022 for 2021. So now this year, 2023, I filed 2022. So I filed two. And believe me when I tell you, it makes a major, major difference because I use Paolo Rigo, who's a commercialista, but he's, he does a lot of work with expats in Italy. Mm -hmm. I think his office is in, I want to say Milano, but you know, he does everything online. Mm -hmm. So he's very familiar, number one, with the 7% tax zone, but he's also familiar working with expats from America. So mm -hmm. he knows what we're supposed to declare and what we don't have to declare. So he makes it very easy. Yeah. So after I file my Italian taxes, then I contact my CPA in the United States and she files the American taxes because as a dual citizen, even though you don't have to pay in the United States, you still have to file. Yeah. And I guess it kind of depends on which country you have the bigger tax burden in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Most of the time you don't pay because uh, Italy's taxes are much higher, even with the 7% they're higher. Than really? America. Oh, Monica, that's surprising to hear. Okay. We don't usually actually hear that. We often hear that the tax burden in, in the U.S. Is well, it saves you a lot of money, but you still have to declare, you know, you have other things that they still tax. Like in my case, for instance, they will tax because I'm a citizen. They'll tax my social security. Mm -hmm. Having achieved 7% flat tax, you achieved one component of affordability in Italy. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. Was affordability overall then part of your decision? And if so, how did you know that Sylvie Marina would fit that bill? Yes, affordability is very important to me as I am a retiree and I'm living now on a fixed income. So I have to budget my income and I wanted to make sure that it would last me as long as possible my whole life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, and as I said, I've traveled all over Italy in the past. So I kind of had an idea of what little local towns, what their cost of living would kind of be like. Hmm. Plus, in one of my trips, I had visited, not necessarily Sylvie Marina, but I was in Abruzzo in, in a smaller town. And I, I knew that most of the groceries were less money. I think the most expensive is like gasoline for your car, but mostly everything is less money. Okay. I would say if you went to a big city like Rome or Florence, it probably would be equal, if not more. But because I was in a smaller little community, not a lot of tourists, they have to make it affordable for the people who live here. Yeah. Okay. So you find that maybe you're actually dealing with the Italian income as the yes. basis for their economy rather than... Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned grocery stores. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about accessibility 
accessibility there in Sylvie Marina. What's it like for you without a car to need to go to the grocery store and get the basics? Good thing to know it's affordable, but also needs to be convenient. We're looking forward to aging in Italy and thinking that we may age in place there. And all these kinds yeah. of things are actually a huge concern to us. We want to make sure that we can be independent and not bother our kids. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I learned to as being a senior move manager. We're fortunate here in Sylvie and, and where my apartment is located, it's right off the major road that goes right through this town of Sylvie, which is like uh, SS16, part of the national highway system, but it's not like an autostrada. So I'm very lucky that in my immediate vicinity, I have three grocery stores, three wow. major grocery stores. I have one right around the corner from my house. I have another one about four blocks uh, south of me. And then there's another one, two blocks north of me. So to get groceries, it's quite easy. And I became like a little old Italian lady with one of those little shopping <laughs> carts they drag around behind them. So that when I buy those six bottles of aqua minerale, I could be able to carry them home. So yeah, no, it's, it's very easy for me. Plus there's banks. I have several banks in the area. There's a florist. There's a fruit and vegetable market right across the street. I have several little bars, which are little cafes. It's a very, very easy, walkable, accessible town, which is main reasons why I chose it. Oh, that sounds absolutely perfect as you age there. You've got all of your immediate needs. It sounds like actually within walking distance. In terms of transportation outside of the area, I know you've got bus and train access. Talk to me a little bit about getting to outside of the area, looks like. Okay, well, Sylvie Marina has a train station, uh, albeit it's a small train station, but it connects almost to everywhere mm. uh, through Sylvie. So if I wanted to go, say, to Rome, I can take the local train from Sylvie to the main station in Pescara, which is like two stops away, and then get on a fast train that goes to Rome. And that would take me just about a little over three hours. Plus, I have local bus service. And one thing I have to comment on is the local bus service in Italy is not like buses that we're used to in the United States. These buses go like everywhere. I mean, they go to these little towns that are like up in the mountains that you think like, oh, how can they get a bus up there? But they, these bus drivers are very, very skilled at their craft. They can get these buses around those curvy little roads. And so you can get to places without a car. Of course, it's not that easy, but you can get, um, we don't have, unfortunately in this area, we don't have anything like Uber, uh, not yet. A bigger city, Rome has it, I think, in Florence, maybe Milan. But we do have a local taxi, and like you can get the local taxi. We'll take you to the airport. The taxi from where I live in Sylvie to the airport, uh, I believe, is either 30 or 40 euro one way. Okay. Yeah, that's cheaper than it is here from my house in Denver to the airport, and I'm like a less than 20 minute drive. Yeah. Good. Um, talk to me a little bit about what the weather is like. <clears throat> okay. We, we do have four seasons, which I like. Mm, uh, yes. And they're, they're very, like, you know, seasons that you can actually tell they occurred like in Florida was a joke like you know tomorrow's the first day of fall so what's going to be different nothing um, in the spring and fall, we have, I would say, comparable to weather, maybe like if you lived in like Atlanta, you know, where mm -hmm. it's not really, really cold or it's not really, really hot, but it's like in the fall, you'll get temperatures during the day, like maybe like in the high 60s, the low 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, at night, it might go down to the 60s, low 60s, okay. mostly sunny, sunny. 
uh, we, we don't get a lot of rain here in Abruzzo, fortunately. I think the rainiest month we have is usually November. Last year was unusual. We had a rainy May, but usually it's not raining in May. So it's usually like, you know, fall temperatures. And then the spring, the same way, you know, it starts to get warmer after the winter and all the flowers start to come up, the, you know, tulips, the crocuses, things bloom. Hmm. It's not real hot or it's not real cold, you know, a light jacket during the day and maybe at night, maybe a little bit of heavier jacket. Winters are not very long. A winter usually lasts from maybe the end of December, because even in the early part of December, November, it's not really, really cold. It never really gets to zero here in Sylvie. Perfect. We get like the coldest would be like in late January, February, we might get to be like six or four. We have no snow. Uh, the mountains, of course, do have snow because their elevation is so high but here close to the sea we don't get snow mm. as i said the rainiest month would be november temperatures i would classify this as moderate temperatures you know there's no real extremes except this past summer which was brutally hot hmm. we had days on and we never got below like 94 it was just constant heat and humidity on top of that i'm i'm assuming and humidity yes humidity can get very high like i said it normally it's, it hovers around d percent but this summer was high and like yeah it was higher than normal. which makes it feel hotter too um, what about breeze i'm assuming being so close to the water there's yes we do have lovely lovely breezes Another very particular thing to this area, though, is we do get sometimes in the winter, we'll get the Scirocco winds from Africa, which come across the peninsula. So they can be like pretty strong, not cold, but just strong winds, like dry winds. We have the days where like they'll put out wind warnings, you know, where the winds will be like relatively high. So you just got to be careful with that. But that's not like an everyday occurrence. Okay. And probably doesn't qualify in the natural disaster situation. No, but we do have earthquake zones in in Abruzzo, not here, not in Sylvia. That's another reason why I'm at the sea and not in the mountains. Yeah, I suppose that you can get water from like the higher regions down to the lower regions if you had some areas flooding. Do you have a river near you? Uh, we do have the river. We have the river of Salines. I'm sure in the past it might have flooded, but this past May when I said we had all that rain, it was overflowing its banks. But again, it's not really near like houses or people. It doesn't really affect a lot of the people. We don't have to worry about the sea, the Adriatic's not going to happen. Nothing's going to happen there. So <laughs> I come from Florida where you had to worry about flood insurance. Oh my here gosh. they don't even have it here. Well, it sounds like you have situated yourself perfectly, Monica. I'm quite impressed with that. You've got the river there nearby. I know you've got the mountains in back of you, the Adriatic Sea in front of you. So I'm assuming there's tons of opportunity for outdoor activity if people are so inclined. What about cultural centers of interest? What are people doing there for recreation? In Abruzzo, which they call it the greenest area of Italy because we have the most national parkland with the Maia Mountains and the Grand Sasso. People are into hiking, into foraging. In the winter, skiing is a big, big, big recreational pastime here. How long of a drive is it from you to where, where one would ski? 25 minutes, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And you can actually, there's one area in the Grand Sasso where as you're skiing down the mountain in the snow, you have a view of the Adriatic Sea oh. that is absolutely spectacular. It's crazy that it's affordable to live there. <laughs> Yeah, well, see, I'm afraid that it's not going to be too long because <laughs> the secret has gone out, I believe. I think you're helping with that today, Monica. <laughs> you, know, you can tell that I really love it here. I mean, I, I should have not been so positive. I should have said some negative things, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful area for nature lovers. You know, again, well, we have a lot of vineyards here. So like going to like visit the vineyards, wine tasting, which mm. is a big deal here. They have a lot of wine festas, which we are now in the midst of now because now the fall is the grape harvest. Mm. Vendemia is happening. So a lot of places are having wine festas. And then they have like, you know, other festas. Like they do a lot of local custom things here. Like, you know, a lot of traditional custom uh, festivals. Do tell, do tell. <laughs> we have a few museums, of course, nothing major, major, but like from local art, you know, or very like folky art kind of things from the past of people who settled here. And we do have some concerts that come to Pescada. We have the opera that goes there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're into that stuff too, you can find stuff like that to do. Uh, we have several movie theaters, but most of the time they show, they show them in Italian. So unless you're fluent, it's <laughs> difficult. There's a lot to do. You know, you just have to make yourself uh, open to it. I mean, or you could just do nothing. <laughs> I mean, if you just want to sit around and soak in the beautiful scenery, you could do that as well. Yeah. Right. With the Adriatic Sea right in front of you, it, it yeah. doesn't sound too tough. Yeah. Is your beach sandy or rocky? We have sandy. What months of the year do you see people in the water? The locals uh, don't usually go in the water until like maybe mid-June. But if you see other people in there, they're probably visitors, tourists. Okay. Italians in general go by routines and habits of what their parents did. So, you know, when they were growing up, they were so you don't go in the water until June. You, you don't sit in front of an air conditioner because you're going to get a crimp in your neck. You're not going to do this because so they have all these little superstitions. So even today, most of the people don't go in the sea until like mid-June. And then September 1st, like everybody's out. Everybody oh goes back. Goodness. Summer's over. That's it. Oh <laughs> Huh. And they start getting out their winter clothes, even though the temperature is like 80 degrees out. <laughs> I've been wondering, because we're actually going to be in your neighborhood in October. My husband, one of his major motivations is going to be to be near the water. And I'd like to get yeah. a feel for how much of the year would he actually be in the water? Does he need to be right there? Or is it is it going to be a situation where he'd be happy driving? So it's important for us to know. Like I said, other people go in that, that moved here from other places. They'll go in the water now. I mean, people, my friends go to the beach now, the expat because it's still 80 so sure even though the most of the Lido's closed down they take all the umbrellas away but you can still go the beaches are free they're open so okay. yeah and then a lot of you'll do boating here boating's another uh, recreational pastime here okay. because of the river and everything and uh, fishing fishing is another thing so people are use the water a lot yeah okay yeah and kayaking and, and that kind of thing kayak exactly yeah. yes kayaking oh, that sounds fun how are the locals feeling about immigrants coming in from other areas have you been able to develop a circle of friends, both with Italians and with people from other countries? Yes, yes, I have. Yes, I, I think the the Abruzzese Italians in general are are pretty like tolerant of everybody. They mm -hmm. they accept people as people. They I don't think they discriminate. Uh, and again, because Italy's been flooded by you know immigrants from Africa, Morocco, so they're used to seeing lots of different people. And in general, I find that people are very very nice. I think they're very accepting of everybody yeah I, I don't think there's a problem oh good i have italian friends i have american friends i have friends that that speak italian but were born like say in like germany but they grew up in italy so it's a very it's a very nice sort of like an international kind of group yeah okay cool if I move to Sylvie Marina and I have my current absolutely poor Italian language skills, how would I fare there? Does a person need to be fairly fluent in Sylvie Marina area in Abruzzo? Uh, well, to be honest, yes. 
Overall, yes, I would say yes. Uh, they don't speak a lot. The locals, like even the local shopkeepers, don't speak a lot if they say one or two words. Someone like my, my dentist that I found, and I wasn't looking for an English speaking. He speaks some English. My vet understands a little English. Now, I just went to another doctor, again, not knowing that he did part of his training in America, so he speaks pretty good English. My regular GP, she speaks no English whatsoever. You go to the hospital here, the local hospital, which is in Otri, nobody speaks English there. They don't even have a translator on board, so oh, wow. you have to go with Google Translate or a friend that speaks Italian. Okay. But they're very kind. I mean, they're very patient. They, they don't get, you know, annoyed. With the hospital, how far is it? By regular car, Octavia is about 20 minutes, but an ambulance is probably going to make it in 15 or less. Okay. Yeah. And it's a full service hospital, you know, that I've actually had to go to their emergency room and they're very nice. Uh, so they do everything there, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and actually well, I'm on the national health system because I'm a citizen. So when I have to go through the national health system to go get appointments for things, I have to go to the hospital, to the COOP, which is the central reservation center. Uh, you go there and that's where you schedule your appointment. Interesting. You don't do it um, online or with a phone call? No. There's some things here that are still kind of like old school. <laughs> okay. If you were ill though, how are you going to get in to see your doctor? Like not ill enough to go to the emergency room? Doctors around here are nothing like the doctors in the United States. The doctors here are very, very accessible. I went to the other doctor when he happened to be an orthopedic surgeon. He gives you his personal phone number and he says you call me anytime and he actually answers the phone so it's not like you gotta go through the secretary or voicemail my doctor if i can't get through the secretary i just send her a whatsapp message and she usually calls me back within a couple minutes okay that's fabulous wow they're very very accessible that some of the vets actually do home visits i will doctors will do home visits too if you can't get out wow absolutely amazing and i'm assuming your pharmacia is close yeah i have like two of them close by the main one i go to is really close this is just a little aside uh, at the pharmacy is where you get your dogs or cats prescriptions filled the vets don't fill the prescriptions <laughs> they give you a prescription you bring it to the people pharmacy and they fill it oh yeah. my goodness i have not heard that yet that is so interesting medicine is medicine huh? i have a dog the first time it happened i said to the vet like where where are you said no you take it to the pharmacy i went oh okay <laughs> yeah and they're used to it <laughs> that's so interesting huge cultural difference yes yeah i was an oncology nurse and um, retired from that profession quite a few years ago now i loved your history as an rt because because, my goodness, that was the backbone of so much of what we did in the hospital. Absolutely, literally lived on the shoulders of RT with many, many patients. I totally trust your perspective on healthcare in Italy with your experience. Talk to me about the quality of healthcare that you see there, your own experience and what you see around you, because you've got eyes that actually can be a little bit more critical. Yes, yes. And and that's why sometimes I get a little annoyed you know, on some of these forums on Facebook. People are like, oh, go to the north, go to the north, because the, the healthcare in the south is terrible. Well, maybe, maybe 40 years ago, 50 years ago. But today, most of the doctors have been trained in like major metropolitan areas or out of the country, like in the United States. They're very aware. And they have some of the most sophisticated equipment I've ever seen here, sometimes even better than we have in the States. Because all the doctors, they're not in it for money. They're in it because they like their profession. Mm. They really take time with their patients. They do never, they never rush you through an appointment. Uh, like I said, they'll call you back personally.
generally, you hardly ever go through a secretary or, or like you never see a, like a, a PA. I don't, that doesn't exist in Italy. You immediately go straight to the doctor. The hospital, okay, hospital experiences could be a little, not, not because of the care that you get medically, but sometimes because of the facilities are not really, you know, they don't have a lot of private rooms. Again, national health, you know, you have to share a room. So they might not have the amenities that we might have somewhere else, but that doesn't take, that doesn't take away from the care you're getting. You're still getting very good care. Monica, this is so important to me to divide that issue right there, because you are absolutely spot on that when you're on immigration groups relating to Italy, you're hearing some first person accounts, but a lot of accounts, I believe are old information that just keeps getting recirculated. Yeah. And I do think that part of it might actually even be interpretation of care by the difference in amenities. So that is so important to understand. I understand it's important when you enter a hospital stay that you have a support person who will bring you things, might even stay with you sometimes. Do you have that kind of situation built into your life? Uh, Yes, thank God. I have uh, some good friends here that would uh, run to help me, you know, if I will, if I need to be like an experience I had recently why I had to go to the emergency room was I woke up one morning and my, my knee was all inflamed and like, you know, full of fluid and I couldn't walk and it was in terrible pain. I called my doctor. She prescribed some like, you know, uh, anti-inflammatories. Didn't work. I called her back. She said, go right to the emergency room. Of course, I, I couldn't get there. I couldn't walk down my stairs. I have a flight of stairs. My friend came over. She lives in the same town, but about like three miles away. She immediately came over, took my dog for the day, dropped me, brought me to the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, waited till like, you know, I called her to come get picked up again, brought me home. I mean, it was uh, very nice. Oh, Monica, that's awesome. Now, if I didn't have your friend, if your friend wasn't my friend, one of the things that I consider, because I'm just going to clarify, the most important thing to me about medical is that the care is good. I don't care about amenities. I mean, a hospital is someplace nobody wants to be. Yeah, as long as it's clean. Yes, yes, yes. Got to be clean, which they are. I mean, they're very strict about here. Italians are very clean. But yeah, the hospitals are some are older, so they're not like real pretty but again that doesn't take anything away from the care you're getting here and um, if I don't have your friend as my friend then and I don't have her to bring me the you know the things that I need can you find people to hire or you know make a call to a service that will get you there or maybe even come and visit you once a day in the hospital to get you the eyes fluff your pillow whatever we do have uh, organizations here and a friend of mine just had to use one where they have volunteers the husband had had an accident he broke his leg he's in a cast they live on like second floor he couldn't get down the stairs to go for his checkup this organization which is all volunteers they came with an ambulance and four men and carried him down the stairs brought him in the ambulance to the hospital waited until his appointment was over brought him back home and carried him up the stairs 40 euro a donation (laughs) i mean if you didn't have the money they would have done it for free but yeah but that's what i mean they have things like that for people because you have to remember Italy is an aging country they have to start making plans to take care of these people because a lot of them don't have any family members that they can a lot of the young people leave because they can't find work so these poor people are left so they have the government takes care of them no okay yeah they have infrastructure built in I love it yeah now, if you don't mind me asking this is kind of personal but how do you plan I'm assuming your your plan is to stay forever how do you yes. plan on aging in place in Sylvie Marina okay that's one of the reasons why 
when I'm looking for a place to buy, I like the apartment and everything, but I'm on the first floor. There's no elevator. So I have a flight of stairs. For listeners, first floor in Italy is actually what we would consider floor two the second floor in other floor, countries. Yeah. yeah. They call the first floor on the ground is the ground floor. So. Mm-hmm. And the first floor is actually the second floor. So mm-hmm. I have a flight of stairs, my 14 step. But still, if you're, like I said, broken leg or something, you can't get down the steps and you're out of you know, luck. So I'm looking for a place either on the ground floor or that has an elevator so that if something happens that I can get in and out without too much trouble, right? Sure. As far as like after that, well, I guess, but you know, my friend, one or two of them know if something happens, what they should be doing for me. I mean, we already discussed that. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. You are planning ahead. What if you needed to go into some sort of a care facility? I think in the U.S. it's just kind of expected that that's our trajectory that we're going to end up in assisted living or long-term care, et cetera, because it's just far too expensive to even think about hiring somebody to live with you. What would it look like for you in Italy if you needed extended care either if you were planning to stay at home for you know assisted living or to have to move or want to move to a facility kind of situation what's that look like okay they do have they do have long-term care facilities here in this area as well uh, one of my friends they have uh, aging parents and they're a little reluctant in Italy to put their parents in these places it's kind of sort of not a, like a shameful thing they get they hired what they call a bedante which is sort of like a like a, a a CNA, uh, and they're usually local women, and they'll come in either for the full day or half, half a day, and they'll come in to take care of the person, like the aging person. Uh, in this case, it's a mother and a father. Uh, they cook, they clean, so they do a little bit of everything. They they could even give medication if they're taking medication. So if they don't have the restrictions like you know in the states where like if you're like going in as like a companion, you're not allowed by law to give medication. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Here you can if the family agrees to it. Yeah. In Italy, it's everything is done by who you know and, and word of mouth. So if you say to your friend, Oh, my mother's not well and we're looking, oh, let me go ask my cousin. She might know somebody down the road that in that neighborhood. So that's how things get done here. It's all it's all that kind of who you know kind okay. of thing. Relationship based. Yes. <laughs> Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah I'm, Do you have any idea approximately what that costs right now to have somebody come in? Is I tell you, it's, it's way cheaper than the United States. And I'm, well, I'm going to try to say, now, don't quote me on this. <laughs> I don't have to because it's your voice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like they probably, if they got say 20 euro an hour, that would be like, like way, 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 way a lot. Uh, so I'm just trying to think they might get maybe 40, 50 euro a day. So, you know, that correlates it. with what a friend of mine is saying too um, in Puglia. 50 euros yeah. a day would be about yeah. on the average. And I think that listeners need to understand that an immigrant isn't looking to take advantage of somebody. What Monica is describing is the income level in Italy is different than what yeah. you're used to in other countries. So they're actually thinking about what the average maybe minimum wage would be at that 50 euro a day level. Uh, yeah. Again, they don't really have a minimum wage here, but uh, that, yeah, that's sort of like the going rate. I mean, okay. People, yeah. Acceptable. Yeah. Acceptable, acceptable. amount. Nobody's yeah. taking advantage of somebody that no, way. No, you wouldn't yeah. be taking them. They'd be very happy to get that because again, this probably would be a second job for a woman. Her husband probably has a job. So this is just a little supplemental income for them. And again, you know, most of these people, they do it not so much for the money even. People are very caring and, you know, they do it because they enjoy taking, helping out with people. Oh, 
just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Okay. So you touched on your search right now that you're going through for a new home. You're looking for something that's probably all one level with either elevator or no or minimum stairs. Let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about prices in, and, and I guess we should clarify, Sylvie Marina is a little different than Sylvie Alta, which is the town above you with a little bit of elevation, as well as I believe a Centro Storico there. Let's talk a little yes. bit first. Let's define Sylvie, the kind of two areas, how they relate to one another. And then let's talk a little bit about real estate. Sylvie Alta or Sylvie Paese, that was the original Sylvie uh, because that was the medieval city that was here before Sylvie Marina came into existence. Uh, I guess you would say Sylvie Marina is sort of post-war kind of construction. So it's like more like urban looking, whereas Sylvie Alta is the old medieval stone with the barrel roofs and everything. Mm. But we're all really one city. Well, the mayor takes care of both. But they have, you know, two different personalities, of course, because the modern city, which I live in, or the newer city, you know, we're like a beach city. In the summer, the town gets pretty packed. It is a resort area, so it gets crowded with tourists. But they're not tourists like from out of Italy. They're mostly tourists that families have been coming here for years and years and years. They all have houses or apartments down at the beach where they, they go for three months and then they close them up and they don't come back again until next summer. Then you go up maybe four, five, six kilometers up the hill where you get to Sylvie Paese or Sylvie Alta. And again, that's a sleepy little medieval town. They don't have many services. They have some restaurants and bars. But when I say bar, I mean cafe because that's what they call them here. It has the most beautiful, beautiful view in the world because you can see all the way up the coast, like almost all the way to Pescara. And then you see the view of the Gran Sasso and the Maya Mountains. So it's, it's a small community. It's not very big. Most of the people that live there have been living there again forever. They're like generations of families that have lived in that town. They do get busy in the summer because that's where most of the festivities happen in the, in the Centro Storico. So that gets very crowded up there. Parking is like a nightmare. Two different personalities, but still one considered one municipality. I love that. It does sound like you have the best of both worlds yeah. there. To clarify for listeners interested in the 7% flat tax, what Monica is describing there is Sylvie Alta and Sylvie Marina are combined for one municipality. And as of January 2022, ISTAT says there were 15,361 residents living there. So our target number there is less than 20,000. It looks like the first little less than 5,000 of us <laughs> that run there and, and yeah. become residents are going to be lucky like you. <laughs> Mr. 20,001, yeah. well, they might be crying, but they're going to be crying at the Adriatics. I don't really feel bad for them. <laughs> you sent me a little bit of information on rent and buying. Talk to the listeners a little bit about what prices are like. Sylvia Marina, if you want to be near the water, just like anywhere else, to buy, prices are going to be a lot higher than if you wanted to be inland. Again, most of the places in Sylvia Alta are old, old buildings or things that have been slapped up, say, like in the 50s. You know, they're, they're not structurally that well built. You can get them maybe reasonable, but it would be like a major, major arena, you know, to have to make a thing livable. 
Okay. And then the older ones, again, because the rooms are small, and most of the times they're like skinny, skinny, so they're more than one level. So it's like two, three, four floors. Each floor has a room because, again, to save money and space that can be sprawling. So down by the water, you can get, say, like in the newer, newer, newer condominiums, you can get on the water, like like maybe a, a one bedroom or one and a, one bedroom and a half, or they call camaretta, small bedroom, anywhere from, say, 125. I'd say to 195, 200,000 euro. Okay. To rent down there, most of the rentals along the water, most of them are seasonal rentals because they usually charge like eight, nine hundred dollars a week during the season to rent. Mm. So they rent them for three months and then they don't rent them the rest of the year. Uh, so, but in Sylvie Marina, where I live, rents for like a one or two bedroom, you can pay anywhere, say from 250 to three, 400 euro a month. Wow. That's and crazy. Again, yeah. I, I will not be ashamed to say what I pay. I live in a three bedroom, one bathroom, because most of them only have one bathroom. Yes. Yeah. More like modern with air conditioning, a nice kitchen, a big Ikea kitchen and a garage. And with my condominium fee, I pay 600 euro a month. Oh my gosh, Monica. And when I moved here, the locals all told me I was getting robbed. I was paying too much money. And I went like, please, I'm happy to pay this amount of money because I just came from Florida where I was paying like five times more than this. Oh, exactly. That's just incredible. Thank you for that. I did um, peek a little bit at real estate and it's always hard because I think when you're on those major sites, you're not even in the actual real estate economy that's really happening in the area because they know who the audience is that's looking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think I was on Immobile Air. I can't even begin to pronounce that as you do, but I did see a lovely 150,000 euro apartment on two floors in Sylvie Alta that was four rooms, three of them or bedrooms three baths that's like a total unicorn so i think they must use it as rentals because i I, yeah. I mean you just don't see that had views a balcony a terrazzo it had everything um i was, was absolutely it, was shocked a freestanding home was it a freestanding home uh, that was yeah. an apartment uh, on two floors. so it, yeah it appeared like there's a shared courtyard with other similar you know similar units i think around it but yeah it appeared that it must have been set up for some kind of rental i think or, or well they, they, they did a lot of airbnbs up there they have a lot of airbnbs so uh there's actually one for sale now it's a it's a freestanding building it's it's not exactly right in the chancellor historical it's in the a road that goes into there and it's uh that's got four bathrooms four bedrooms four ba each bathroom has each bedroom has a bathroom because it was an airbnb a mm. huge kitchen a downstairs cantina with a big patio outside views yeah and it's like 150,000 euro yeah that's insane. Yeah. That's just it's, insane. I mean, that'd be like a million dollars here in the States. Yeah. <laughs> no way oh, gosh, yeah. that you'd get that yeah. close. I always like to point out when I started this journey, the first thing that actually hooked me to even look at Italy was a one-year-old house. And we all know, you know, that's exactly yeah. what that should be as a hook. And then you move on. Um, yeah. Then I started learning about the 7% flat tax regime as I got um, more involved. But some of the friends that I made on the immigrant groups are living in, actually one of them lives in a qualifying town, but was there before the 7% was ever thought of. And one of the things that they kept helping me see is 
Italy can be affordable even not on the 7% flat tax. I mean, yes, if you can if you can achieve that, obviously it's a huge savings, but it's things like this. It's things like real estate that began to make sense to me as an overall affordability. I mean, if you look at if the average person was going to go to someplace in Florida, nowhere near the beach and buy a home for, you know, 350,000, they're not going to get what you just described for 150,000 euros. If the yeah. remainder yeah. of that money that they were going to spend went into some sort of interest bearing account or, you know, some sort of investment that right there just helped them achieve affordability in Italy. I think people need to look at the overall picture. You mentioned um, health healthcare. Now, granted, you've won the life lottery. <laughs> you got dual citizenship, <laughs> right? Your ancestors helped you way more than mine yeah, did. Yeah, I was very lucky in that regard. Yes, yes. Yeah, really. yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I look at what we spend with great insurance, with an overnight stay in the hospital and an extensive workup. Oh, my goodness, on great insurance, it was a blooming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, healthcare is out of control in the United States. It really is. I mean, again, you you look at a country like Italy, people aren't dropping dead. They're getting good health care, but they're not spending the kind of money that the people in the United States are spending. And you say, what's the difference? Why? <laughs> How could that be possible? Yeah. I mean, and that's why people need to wrap their head around the fact that don't give up on Italy because the taxes might look higher. Look at the whole right. picture. Look at property exactly. taxes plus healthcare plus you know the lower mm -hmm. cost of your home. Mm -hmm. All of those things before you decide that Italy is too expensive. As well as people are constantly misquoting the regular tax strata. You know, you hear all the time, oh, everyone's income is taxed at almost fifty percent. Nope, not one single person in Italy is their entire no, income taxed. No. Yeah, they. They don't understand progressive. So anyway, I'm on my soapbox, but nobody would be able to live here if that were the case. I mean, exactly how are these right? Yeah. How are these poor people that how is the bus driver? How is like the school teacher? How are they living here if that was the case? Yeah. No. Right. Yeah, people sometimes don't use logic. Yeah. 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 Or, no, or just aren't educated. Well, if you buy a property in Italy and it's your primary house, your prima casa, and you live here full time, you you pay no property taxes. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Talk about helping the family, the average person yeah. be able to survive there. That's not happening here yeah. in Denver. That is not no, happening here no. in Denver. It wasn't happening in Florida either. Oh, heavens no. No, no. We're probably in similar um, housing markets too there. All right. Yeah. So moving on to way more fun topics than the American healthcare yeah. problem. <laughs> Talk to us about your area's specific festivals. Tell us, paint us some pictures about what you've been to. I loved the fact that you mentioned the wine festivals. I'm right now doing just a little bit of research into the Abruzzo uh, wine regions. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can do some sampling while we're there, although we're driving, so it's, that makes it tougher. But uh, talk to us a little bit about what that looks like. Okay, well, as I said, mostly most of the festivals or sagras occur during the summer months, uh, and they have different ones for saints. They have like different saint days, or like a, like if it's a patron saint of the town, they'll have festa that that weekend or that night of the day of the, and that usually involves some kind of entertainment, whether it's a band or sometimes they have performers, singers. They, they well, they love to decorate. There's lots of lights involved. Like they put lights over like the street. They put up these elaborate light displays, colored lights. It's so pretty. Mm. Uh, they have, and then they have like the food trucks where they'll sell, you know, different local food things, hot food. And well, here two two of the biggest local specialties are porchetta, which is the pork roast pork, and uh, arrosticini, which is uh, little skewers of lamb, which has been barbecued. 
So you see a lot of those porchetta trucks and that ostachini truck. There's a special kind of pasta dish here. And the, so they have sometimes they'll have rides for the kids, maybe. Then they have little stands uh, where they'll sell artsy, craftsy kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, earrings, rings, pocketbooks, handmade pocketbooks, knitted things. Of course, at Easter time, they do a lot of religious things. We have a lot of religious processions around Good Friday, uh, very famous one in Kieti where they have oh I don't know how many hundreds of people walk with these black hoods on carrying the cross and carrying different religious statues and very somber kind of music and again after that it's all done then they usually have food and fireworks to celebrate fireworks are a big thing here how far are you from Kieti KT is about, well, depending which way you go, but if you take the highway, it's a, it's a good 35, 40 minutes from me. Yeah. To get to Katie, the, the, that's to get to like Katie proper, not to get to Katie Centro Storico, which is okay. up the hill. How would you go? Well, I don't drive, so I have to have somebody drive me. So I uh-huh. go as a passenger, so it's easy for me. Okay. I don't have- Okay, no buses or trains, though. No train. Well, you could take a train, but the train only leaves you down at the main train station. You still have to take a bus to get up to the... But what I have to say, like, when they have festivals like that in Kate or like any of the larger towns around here, they do provide little buses. So as like they'll have, like, a, a central station... Hmm. or a special spot where they'll say, you know, bus stops here and you get on the bus and so keep the driving and because there's usually no parking spaces up there. So oh, just yeah. keep the congestion and the traffic down to a minimum, which is nice. So, you know, yeah, you get on the bus and they just drop you off in front of the entrance to the Centro Historico and get back on the bus and go back to your car. Yeah, perfect. So, Love that. And then you can have the wine and not have to, well, I guess if you're going back to your yeah. wine, your car, you still yeah. have to. If you're the yeah. if you're the writer, you don't have to worry about it. Good. I noticed in your discussion there, your food specialties, the absence of fish, but you're closer to the Adriatic than you are the mountains, although the mountains are not far. So we do have like a lot of fish. And yeah, they have, uh, well, Branzino. I don't know what the translation is in English. And we have calamare. And they do what they call a frittura, which is they take all like the calamare and shrimp and other little fish, like small, small fish. And they just they wash them clean them well and then they they flour them and they deep fry them and they mm. put salt and a little bit of lemon on it and it's like ugh. and they serve it like in a paper cup so you can walk around with it and eat it like popcorn oh, oh my gosh little popcorn fish i love yeah. that and again okay, if you go to one of the the nice fish restaurants you know you want fish fish they will bring out the whole fish and show you the fish that you're going to be eating so you can approve it or not and they will cook the whole fish but then they will fillet it for you after it's cooked and they'll fillet it for you and put it on your plate. If I live in Sylvie Marina and I really don't want to cook, which I would personally prefer never to cook again, (laughs) if if this was to be us, how much would we spend on an evening out for something like that? And and I like to compare high and low end. So, you know, if we wanted just the fast food version of Sylvie Marina food versus the high end, what do those price structures look like? I'm I'm curious because it's also a tourist area, so they may be more expensive than what I thought. Mostly down by the water, the Lungomares. That's where you're going to find more expensive fish places because I have two fish restaurants within walking distance, and they both do kind of the same thing. It's sort of a prefix dinner, and you get an appetizer, which is like not just one thing. You get like four or five different selections of different kinds of cooked raw fish, like sushi-grade fish, clams, mussels, shrimp. 
Then you get like a first dish, which is a pasta. Then you get the main course, which is a, like fish, a, a roasted fish, and with maybe some vegetables. That, you no, know, no, like, you know, you don't order from menu. They just bring you the stuff. And that runs 22 euro without wine. But the wine is very reasonable. You can get like a liter of wine for like four euro, like oh, house wow. wine. Okay. So wow. you spend 30, 30 euro, you have, and dessert, or you get dessert on that menu too, like a okay. choice of two different things. And that so you're like 30 euro amount. person and you have like a, a five course meal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I'm assuming delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, everything's fresh. You know, they just, they bring it out and, you know, from the sea that day and you're eating it that night. It's like <sighs> very, very few frozen fish things we get around. Everything's fresh fish. So it's oh, a very... Yes. Very, very tasty. Mm -hmm. Then if you want to go to a higher end kind of restaurant, yeah, there you probably spend about maybe 50, 60 euro a person, okay. uh, a little more, uh, only because the service is probably going to be a little more like upscale, you know, the setting is going to be a little nicer. Not that the food's going to be any different, but yeah. you know, it's, it's just for the atmosphere, probably. Yeah. Maybe maybe have better wine, a better choice of wine. Usually those kind of places, the house wine, you get the house wine, you know, you're not going to order a bottle of like a, a 1980 something, you know, Bordeaux or something. So you're going to get that. But so if you go to the other places, you'll get a better quality made wine list. You know, they might even have like a, a sommelier on stay out, that kind of okay. thing. Okay. Sylvie Alta, you mentioned yeah. that there are some bar cafes up there, um, restaurants too. And what are prices like in, in Sylvie Alta? Okay. Well, they mostly up in Sylvie Alta, they do have a really beautiful, beautiful fish restaurant. During the summer, he's open all the time, you know, seven days a week. Winter time, they close. They only open on the weekend. Same thing. There's a, like a bracharia, which is a place where they cook meat on barbecue. The fellow that owns that, his family's been in Sylvie for a generation. So it's a well-known family. Mm -hmm. But his restaurant is very casual. Uh, he's a great guy. I mean, he's very accommodating. You want to meet this way. You don't want this thing. He'll fix everything for you. So those two are, like I say, the main restaurants, the, the mo most popular. In the summertime, they open up these little like street food places where they, they have like little windows, like in little shops. And you go up to the window and you order. And then you go around the corner and the windows where you pick it up. Sort of like a food truck, but not on a truck in a, like a building. And they have a fish place and they have a like a mojito place where you get, you know, so it's just a lot of fun, you know, when there's a lot of people and, and, you know, the walking around and there's a lot of activity. It's yeah. Yeah. Fun. And what are prices like in those kinds of places? You can get like a fritura, which is a cup of all fried fish, I think for like 10 euro. Okay. They have a fish sandwich, like cod. Cod's real big around here. Cod, which of course is called bacala here in Italy. Uh, bacala sandwich you can get for like maybe eight euro, but it's like huge. When I tell you, it's not like a sandwich, like a little, it's like enormous. Oh man. <laughs> Two people could eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yes, we can go out to eat <laughs> oh, but, <laughs> frequently yes, instead no. of me having to cook. <laughs> You're not in Rome or Florence. You can get like a margarita pizza for like 350, 4 euro almost anywhere, you know. Uh -huh. Like a, a big pizza, one person gets it here, but you could share it with two people. There's plenty of pizza. The other ones go up to like maybe six fifty, you know, seven euro. And, you know, again, you get a glass of beer or, or like a glass of wine, a glass of wine and like a pizzeria, like the house wine, it costs you a dollar, one euro. Wow. I mean, you can go to the supermarket and buy a bottle of wine, two, like three euro. And it's actually drinkable. <laughs> delicious. Yeah. It's a Monte Pulciano da Brutto. Yeah. 
Yeah. You have just absolutely nailed it, Monica. Sylvie Marina sounds amazing. Sylvie Alta sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, it's nice because you have both here. You have the sea, you have the new newer part, then you have the evil part. So it's a little bit of everything. I'm beginning to hate this podcast because it's actually making my search, like trying to narrow even regions down harder. <laughs> <laughs> Get very confused. Yes, yes easily. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like I said, you won the life lottery. You're so lucky to have had that. And I know that's not always an easy road to Italy. I know that citizenship, dual citizenship can have its great difficulties as well as expenses. Those of us who with no helpful heritage genetics or inherited citizenship potential are hearing some things that are a little bit disturbing. We're seeing uh, visa passive income increases. We're seeing refusals for reasons that used to be accepted. And it, it's a little disheartening. My husband and I are technically supposed to be four years out because we would meet all requirements at the point that we were both pulling mm -hmm. social security, which happens in four years. There are other mm -hmm. visas that we may now have to look at. Do you mm -hmm. hear rumors or see news yes. or anything like that? Do you share anything yes. you know for our listeners? Yes. About I just recently heard, uh, and I'm trying to remember now what state it was. It might have been California, the, the consulate in California. They rejected. They well, they 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 accepted the wife's application, but they rejected the husband's application. They were they were applying for the ERV, the you know retirement visa, mm -hmm. and because they said when they combined the incomes, they didn't come to enough because they will they raised and they didn't tell anybody that they were raising the level of acceptable income part of the reason i don't know if this is true is because of the current government that we have is trying to cut back on the amount of immigrants that come in here i think i don't know why but that's what i heard yeah and i've heard a lot of rumbling yeah on some of the expat sites about that yeah it's different and it's definitely different consulate by consulate and we're still seeing inconsistencies within consulates which is actually yeah. good news right now because you want that inconsistency are you seeing people come into sylvie marina from outside yes i get a lot of requests like private messages like you know to meet for cafe or meet for a drink or like you know can you show me around yeah i do quite often sure i think more and more more people are trying to leave the United States. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. And I, and I, but so I have friends that live in Puglia and they have a lot of people that are going there too, because I don't know that many people like in Molise. So I don't know what the situation is there, but I think Abruzzo, like where I am and Puglia are getting, I think the most expats right now. Yeah. Maybe partly because of that 7% flat tax offering. Well, seven, yeah. And I think the weather has a lot to do with it. A lot of oh, people yeah. want the more temperate kind of climate. They're tired of like blizzards and... <laughs> Can't even do winters much longer. Can't even. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that it's important for our listeners to know that even though we do see specific consulates, and so far we have specifics from people who have applied at LA, Miami, and London, we aren't seeing that information from every consulate yet. And of course, we're dependent upon individuals sharing their visa stories right now across mm -hmm. social media and the few, the very few immigrant specialists who will share specific. And that's mm -hmm. a, you know, that's kind of a little bit of a, a thorn in my side that people are knowing what's happening and not necessarily sharing openly. And I guess I do understand that need um, from a business perspective. But when we realize that people are renting houses or buying houses and then going to apply and being turned down, it's a it's a thorn for me because I see that people could actually potentially be hurting themselves. Yeah. And there are visas that really need to be looked at more closely. I'm going to do a follow up in the near future. I need to schedule that with him. But with Nicola Bola, he said he'd be interested 
interested in doing a follow-up and I want to specifically talk about a couple of visas that he mentioned. One was the representative visa, which was not even on my radar because I'm not interested in having a business, but now I wonder, am I? And the other one would be the 250,000 euro investor visa. My scared point with that earlier was that I thought that I had to invest in something extremely risky and then have no control. So basically it would be potential burn money, which we don't have 250,000 euros to consider burn money if we want our money to last until we're, you know, 99, 100. But evidently those visas offer some flexibility and control that I wasn't aware of formerly. So I'm anxious to talk to Nicola about that further. I don't want ever to steal people's dreams. So don't lose your dream, folks. Yeah. Well, yeah, because like I said, they each have autonomy to do whatever they want for the consoles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as Nicolo said, until such a change is law, mm-hmm. as he says, it's non-binding, which was, I thought, a very nice way to let us know that things are still somewhat flexible. So yeah. Sylvia Marina sounds absolutely idyllic. I'm not losing my dream. <laughs> I'm going to press on. <laughs> no, don't give up. No, no, no. Yeah, no there's yeah. a, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. Thank you so very much for sharing so much. Like I said, you just nailed it. Sylvia Marina and Sylvia Alta sound amazing. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me i appreciate that like you said just if it's really really what you want to do don't give up just persevere and be patient because in italy you know things could change tomorrow it's like (laughs) who's at the desk the day that you get there so don't ever give up (laughs) i love it great advice monica buonasera Uh, grazie mille and it was a pleasure and i'll be anxious to continue listening to your lovely podcast oh thank you so much we're happy to have you there and if you want to join us on facebook i'm sure that there will be questions and follow-up for you okay (laughs) we'll do Ciao, ciao 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 if you enjoyed today's episode please like us and subscribe for more we will continue to explore regions, towns, taxes, and tips here and on Facebook at Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring, at Instagram under the same name, and eventually italyisaffordable.com. If you know anyone who is living in Italy who'd like to converse with me, I'd love to meet them via my email, italyisaffordable at gmail.com. And now for that much-anticipated limoncello. Chin chin! <laughs>